Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Hi and welcome to Rocket. My name is Kieran Bracken. Um, people know me from playing rugby, former player, 51 Cats for England. Retired in 03, having won the World Cup, but most people nowadays know me from winning Dancing on Ice or my little excursion into Friends, if you've seen the episode. But um, my co-host, Mr Nick Easter, I was told that when we were on TV together we had a lot of chemistry, which is a bit worrying. Um, But welcome to Nick Easter. Nick, tell us about yourself. Um, Hello Brax, thank you very much for being on here. Look, we're in the 2020s now, there's nothing wrong with a bit of man chemistry and a bit of man love going on. Um, Myself, retired England player, 54 caps, played in three World Cups, got to a final, didn't quite get over the line like Kieran did over there. Um, and played at Harlequins, you know, one club man in the Premiership. Um, retired in 2016, went into the world of coaching, um, continued at my club at Harlequins and just come back from 18 months in South Africa. And in the meantime, filling my time during the day, you know, going into a couple of companies, um, doing a bit of consultation, also expanding my knowledge as far as coaching goes and a little bit of property investment. But I suppose a little bit more on that, because I think with your past history with Saracens, Brax, you might have a little bit more insight and actually (laughs) advice for me, probably not on air about property investment and reinvestment and everything, having, you know, got into it probably at a young age, like a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, listen, believe it or not, I've I've just come from an interview. I'm trying to get a job in the city now because all I know, (laughs) seriously, all I know is uh, is property. I got timber frame company with my brother, invested in property, got stuff in Ireland, and that didn't go very well. But um, I'm interested in the city now, so I'll tell you how that interview goes or whether I got the job uh, next time round. But, um, you know, it's funny. Who came up with this name, by the way? Rocket. I mean, I thought we agreed on fuck it, but um, Rocket probably is a bit more appropriate. The, uh, the other names were Rugby Heart, In Touch, Rugby Pulse, Pick It Up, and we've finalised on Rocket. But what I really like is the caricature no, that has no. been created, right? Listen, the caricature be created for Rocket and uh, if you noticed, somebody's added hair to my face. I do look like Tim Nice but dim, but they've added hair to my face. And I, I'm so chuffed. I showed my wife and she said, that's not you. That was you 15 years ago, which it was. But you look all right. You've got a bit of grey beard. Mate, mine seems to be actually of the modern times is all I'm saying. He's taking a picture. Whoever's done this uh, <laughs> appalling drawings, taking a picture. And I seem to have about three chins and a huge jowl. Um, Hang on and a you, no, that's not. Taken, hey, that's that's pretty accurate. I'm uh, not being funny. It might you be said, accurate. You but just come said on. you feel you're trying you... to make friends early in this podcast, <laughs> aren't we? We had to get a special chair for you to sit on without squeaking. That's how heavy you are coming yeah, back from South Africa. Muscle more than fat. We all know that, don't we? So should we talk about should we talk about rugby and um, you know a bit like Brexit? I suppose with me being a Saracen, um, you got a chance to uh, give me some stick about Saracens relegation, or wage cap, and everything. I mean, I you look. My house out in Berits that I've just come back from um, has nothing to do with this. Is it your but... house? Is it, is it Nigel's or one of the directors? Oh, do you know what? I'm so embarrassed. I came out about a month ago, not quite like that. I came out and said, that <laughs> I said, listen, I think it's unfair. I think it's only because they've won trophies that they're making an example of them. And and then, you know, at each step, Saracens just just kept taking a... Oh, just, I mean, their PR. Then, then they agree to relegation. They get... 
Ed Griffiths involved, who, by the way, fired me from Saracens. That's a separate story. Get him involved. And then after 26 days, he gets the boot because he's been doing dodgy things with the uh, with the cricket lot. Um, I'm allowed to say that with lawyers in the room, but, well, you know, subject to review what he's been up to. But um, Alleged. Allegedly. But I just can't believe they got him back involved and then fired him. I mean, it's just a PR disaster. So, um but, but on Ed Griffiths, he fired me and Richard Hill from Saracens. Mm. And it's quite a funny story because um, was, I was doing the hosting and Richard was, was head of the academy. And I was doing the hosting at Twickenham for the doubleheader against you guys at Harlequins. No, and it wasn't the hosting at Saracens then. No, on not the host. Mario told you, you didn't turn up. <laughs> Not that hospitality. Shut up. Company, listen, listen the only dodgy thing I ever did with Saracens is when I was trying to get my contract upped and they wouldn't up the salary. And I said, all right, look, insure my car. And they said, okay. And I signed the contract and I bought a DB7, right? <laughs> Which cost them about five grand. They weren't happy. But then, <clears throat> then I crashed it. Uh, I crashed the car, 40 grand's worth of damage. And um, and basically, they had to pull all the insurance from all the players and no one knew why, and that was me. But Ed Griffiths, how did I get fired? I go up on stage and I said, it was just after they lost to Northampton the year before, and I said, oh, Ed, great to be up here. And, um, you know, uh, but by the way, you must be disappointed at the moment. South Africa losing to New Zealand because at the time, you know, the you know the championship. And, um, and he said, Kieran, I'm not South African. And I was like... What I've seen you pull pints and eating bulton, you're definitely South African. He said, "No, no, I'm Scottish." So I start ripping the piss out of him, and then the next day he said, "I think, I think your time here has ended. You don't, you don't follow the values of Saracens." What, what irony! And then, uh, and I told him to to ruck it basically. He and, told uh, you that, did he? Yeah, yeah he told me <laughs> that, and I said, "Well, do you know, probably because you wouldn't want to take any dodgy payments." Man. No, no, so, is that all? Like, over- yeah, you've got a bit of integrity about <laughs> you, haven't you? But I just can't believe it. They got relegated, and it's seismic, isn't it? Because we're here to talk about Six Nations, and um, really interesting, you know, how the players are feeling about it. But it's massive, and what what I think we talked earlier. What's really interesting is, you know, you know, is the Premiership now a dead rubber apart from, you know, the the you know the top four are going to the final. It, you know, it'd be interesting to see if 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 the sort of interest is there anymore for, for now that they're relegated. Well, I think this this will put a, a bit of closure to that argument, won't it, about ring fencing? I think. Yeah. Because there's quite a bit of the Premiership to go because of the World Cup is actually going longer, so there's you know substantial part of the season left. And I'm a big fan of not ring fencing and having relegation in there. Always have been, and actually because you got relegated, almost, you got relegated. relegated you're part of the reason you got relegated in 05, wasn't yeah, it? Is that well, when you first, how many years? I were cost you there? too little back then, mate. I cost too little. <laughs> were you captain? At, who's captain? Please Andre, say Andre Voss, mate. And, oh, Andre, right. and you know he's one of the best captains I've ever worked yeah. for, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, ironically, actually, we had next Saracens DOR as our DOR, Mark Evans. But we won't get into that. <laughs> what was it like? What was it like suddenly playing mate, against Leicester and then you go, well, Ely mate, it, was a, it oh, was, was a brilliant year. It was a brilliant year. It was a brilliant year. I'll tell you why. Piss, because, you? No, I'll tell you why. Because Mark Evans, brilliant, brilliant CEO. Yeah, I love him, CEO Evans. and d- director of rugby. Two jobs, which you look at it now and you think, that is absolutely crazy. A director of rugby now actually has to apportion a lot of his responsibilities to a head coach if you look in the premiership. Mm. So to do those two jobs, and look, rightly so, we got relegated. You know, we were the worst over the course of the year. It was a nail-biter, went down to the last, you know, there was three games where I think Northampton, Worcester, us or Leeds could have gone down. And unfortunately, we just got pipped by sale um, at home. I won't mention uh, all the missed kicks that happened from our fly half. Anyway... Um, we went down, and at the time, Dean Richards had signed to take over as director of rugby. Absolute legend of the game, you know, 
won multiple championships. Brought his blood, brought his blood couch down with yeah, him. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Sorry, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Come on. He no. came down. Andrew Merton signed. Yeah, wow. He promised to stay. You know, the well, big the Sar- dogs. Yeah, the, the Sar- big Sar- dogs, big dogs like apparently are staying at Greenwood, Voss, um, all of those guys, they stayed. And it was brilliant, mate, because at the end of the day, when you're winning... And yeah. we had bigger crowds as well. The the new stand really? was developed, so we had bigger crowds. And when you're winning, and Dino was very forthright. And look, Quinn's got a reputation about uh, being a sort of quite obnoxious city boys, and it's a little bit below us to go to Birmingham, Solihull, and whatnot. And he said, mm. "Well, we're not having that. We're having a beer with our opposite man or f- oh. or five yeah. before we get on the bus, and then stop at another boozer." And Dino knows his boozers along every single motorway uh, in England. Let me tell you, that. never try to keep. And up with it, Dean was, it was a brilliant year. We went up. We you know we won the cup at, at that level, and obviously you know walked the league and. Um, you also have an opportunity to blood a lot of youngsters, which I think yeah. Saracens have got an opportunity to do as well. So they'll blood like youngsters in the Premiership this year, yeah. expose them to it because obviously they're down, and probably and, probably they'll, and they'll give the yeah, opportunity give, next year, yeah. and the stars will get a bit of a rest. So yeah. in many ways, it could work in favour. Um, what I'm interested in though is uh, um, they've got to be compliant with the salary cap, haven't they? So yeah. for one one season, I mean, I say two, but I think for for one season. Um, while, they don't have to be, going do they? There is no salary cap in the championship, but they have to be seen to be compliant. So rumour has it, rumour though has it, that what Bristol did is that they basically paid their players a shed load of money when they were in the championship and then less salary in the, in the premiership. I don't know whether that's true, allegedly. Front-loading, yeah. Front-loading. So but, but that, Saracens but that's the, won't be able to do that, I guess. Well, well, they, well mm. look, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but let's hypothetically say, because we're here to discuss it, yeah. Owen Farrell's one of their marquee players, OK? Yeah. Let's say Billy Vanapola is the other one. If they're complying with the salary cap laws mm. in the championship where there is no cap, but they're complying with the laws, the laws are in the premiership, you're allowed two marquee players. So yep. what's stopping Billy getting all his brother's salary in there for the next four years, <laughs> right? And yeah. his, and yeah. that Fazzy's for the next four years, yeah. right? And then they come back into the premiership and they paid about 50 grand and then you go and sign in some more. Now, look. I'm sure after all this absolute debacle... They won't, they won't let them do it, will they? they absolute debacle, you're going to get proper governance, independent mm-hmm. governance. Um, Premier Rugby are under pressure as well for the way they've handled it. And stuff like that will not be allowed to do. And if you do go anywhere near it, you're going to get kicked out. And yeah. I hope that's the way they go about it because it really has dragged rugby... You know, it's been the, the, it's been the most... It's been the biggest scandal. You know, we were part of a little thing called Bloodgate, which you brought up. But uh, ultimately, that was only six games, roughly, wasn't it? Not uh, <laughs> not five seasons. So five times thirty was one hundred and fifty oh. games versus six, or something like that. Cool. Well, let, let's let's now just focus our attention on the Six Nations, which is just around the corner, shall we? Rocket Six Nations Special. Kieran, I'll be interested. You know, you won a World Cup. Um, you know, I got to a final, lost actually, similarly to South Africa, but. From your experience when you came back into the Six Nations, um, how did you approach it? You're world champions. Yeah. Um, Eddie Jones has come out and said he wants to be known, you know, he wants England to be playing the best rugby that's ever been played and the greatest team that's ever been there. Yeah. Set that as a sort of overarching target and a mm. vision. What was it like in 2004 with you? Well, I'm glad you said that because you probably haven't done your research. What happened you is didn't I get selected. no, no, you no, retired. no. I retired. So you what retired. happened? No, but let me explain. This is quite funny. So basically, I came back and I thought about it, and I basically I couldn't touch my toes. My back was all over the place, and needed another, another operation. So I thought, Do you know what? Now's the time to retire. So I phoned up Clive. I said, Clive, listen, I'm not going to be available for the Six Nations. I'm going to retire. And he said, 
Good decision. Okay, so, um, but I don't want you to announce it until Monday. And I said, why is that? And he goes, because I want to announce the squad and I don't want any side distractions. And I said, okay, fine. So on Monday, he, he basically announced the squad with me not in it. And he said, I'm dropping Kieran Bracken from the squad. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'd have known, I'd have just, re- I'd have just announced it and retired. I had that humility of sort of not getting on in the final, and then getting dropped. But what I will say about, I mean, about you and I were um, commentating on the final, and you called it before the final, didn't you? You said England are going to get smashed, which I, I thought. Well, I don't the op- think I said smash. You, you th- I, I said, I, th- I said well, smash. I thought the opposite. But you showed me some videos of the interviews before that their mind wasn't right, and I think you were, you know, you were, you were, you called it very well. I think, well. I think it was more to do with. You know, having coached out there, you know, yeah. part, a big part of the squad I'd coached and been yeah. in touch with, and been in touch with a few England boys as well, and was never crossing over any information or they'd give me any. But I just sensed the mindset from South yeah. Africa, being the underdogs. You know, they spoke about a greater purpose or higher purpose. Look, yeah. you, you know, you don't know actually how, how that can affect each individual player. But they hadn't, for me, South Africa hadn't peaked. No. They hadn't peaked to the World Cup. England had. And yeah. they were brilliant, you know, throughout the World Cup, and and uh, you know they were building nicely. Australia, mm. they took them apart. New Zealand, we all know how good that performance was. Yeah, and that was my fear. Um, and England play a very sort of physical bully boy game. Yeah, and actually, if there's a side that can stand up to that and get the best of you in that, it's South yeah. Africa. And that was my fear for England. Um, but Clive Woodward called it on the Monday. He said he was phoned up the week before about being on TV. Uh, for the parade of winning the World Cup and where they go to the palace and you know, you know, we had the parade and it gets commentated on. And they asked him to comment, and he said, he said, but they've not won it yet. And he said, Well, no, they're gonna win it. But like me and a lot of the sport, you know, rugby lads, I thought, well, you play that well against New Zealand, you know, you're gonna you're gonna smash South Africa who just just about got over the line against Wales. And you just think, well, on paper, we're gonna smash them. But somewhere along the line for the players, I kind of feel that they lost their way. They thought they'd almost won it. If you, you know, if you, if your brother's flying out to watch you pick up the World Cup, if you, if everyone's talking about parades somewhere along the line, I know Eddie Jones would have said, "Right, start again." But some of the interviews, compare the interviews, the the fear factor from South Africa. They knew if they had to be at their best, but tactically, I think think South Africa got it massively right in the front row and the amount of props they took and the rotation throughout the World Cup, whereas we kept the same players on and then brought people on for the last 20, and it, it just didn't work. And also, you know, the selection at number nine I thought was really bizarre. So there were a few things that I wasn't happy about in that World Cup. But back to your point coming back, I think Eddie knows that he's got to now raise the bar, so it's quite weird. He, I think he's, he's, he's been coached by this Pembroke guy over in uh, over in Australia and basically he's the new tag of the greatest ever team the world has ever seen I'm like right okay brilliant and then then he said I'm going to change this team around I'm going to make changes it's going to be a new face and I'm thinking bollocks you have not changed anything you've not brought in Don Brandt okay who's been fantastic for Harlequins you've brought in six or seven players some apprentices but look at the team and where are the changes okay not at nine which needed to be done okay Back row, instead of bringing up someone like Earl, they're probably going to have Tom Curry starting, okay? The pack's almost exactly the same. The backs are almost exactly the same. You know, the midfield's the same. Where are the changes? Where's this new team? Or well, I, don't, it, I don't think there should be changes, Brax. I no, think the I, age well, profile, that's no. the youngest um, average age of any side that's got to a final. But he shouldn't say there's a new face, yeah, a but new look, team. He, li- he likes, spin, he likes a bit of rhetoric than he and bombast and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you know that, and you sort of... Mm. 
pick up on half of it, and the other half you just chuck in the bin. You, you know what he's, you know what he's about. But uh, but he's, you know, he's a, a smart guy. You're, you're, a, guy. You're, you're a coach, just out of interest, and you're closer to the likes of Gus and um, uh, Paul Gustard from Harlequins and other players who've left the camp, and 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 uh, Borthwick is leaving to go to Leicester at the end of Six Nations. But he keeps changing around his coaching team, and some say that would be a good thing to keep everyone sharp. But um, you know, what do you think of the new the new coach? Is Simon Amar a sevens Simon Amor sevens coach uh, got involved now, and uh, is it is it Proudfoot for the South African for the forwards and so making changes? So, is is it a set, is it, is that a right thing to do? Change it up? Are they the right people? What do you think? Um, you can look at it both ways, can't you? Con- Continuity is great. We've seen that with New Zealand, but sometimes you know. Especially if you're going to keep a lot of the, the players. So the players aren't changing much. The core group of players, let's be honest, they're going to be around for the next four years at the peak mm. of their powers, hopefully. Um, is, you know, just new thoughts, new voice. Look, rugby's rugby. Is there a new way of doing things? Look, you're always looking for that sort of magic bullet or the next invention and everything. Mm. And uh, what's interesting is the dynamic of the England coaching staff that's changed. So when Eddie came in four years ago, Borthwick, Gustard, Neil Hatley might have joined a little bit later, but they were all, you know, excellent coaches in their own right, but, you know, relatively inexperienced and youthful coaches. Yeah. And Eddie was sort of the, you know, the big boss, um, the guy that had been around the block a long time, various countries, various, you know, clubs and, um, and nations. Whereas now he's got John Mitchell and Matt Proudfoot there, mm. you know, guys that, you know, have been in the international arena, in the club arena for a long, long time and are less probably less likely to, you know, take orders or whatever it might be, but actually be more involved and be treated, you know, and Eddie will like them being on the same level in terms of treating them equally, empowering them. Um, but at the same time, we know Eddie, you know, he drives a hard bargain as far as how hard you work. You know, he leaves no stone unturned and it's got England, you know, a lot of success. He's got a great win record. And, you know, these guys, along with Eddie, that, that's what will be expected. You're at the pinnacle of the game. Um, you're highly rewarded when you get there. Um, Matt Proudfoot taking on scrum and line out. Um, he's done it with South Africa. Uh, you know, that, that's a big responsibility. And I think clearly what happened in the World Cup final, um, is, that, that's a great, that's a great um, coup. Um, for yeah. him to get him across, you know, yeah. a guy that's been involved with a nation that plays similarly, that has a similar sort of athletes. John Mitchell, I thought was, I thought our defence was absolutely Excellent. fantastic, yeah. wasn't it last yeah. year? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he brought a new level to our defence: the aggressiveness, mm-hmm. the brutality, um, and the line speed and everything. And I got a feeling though, Simon Amor might be very good, but I, I kind of feel that it's it's almost already run by Farrell and Ford anyway. It'd be hard for him to become. Sort of, uh, but that's what, but that's what you want, Brett. Yeah, no, you, I agree. You, oh, absolutely. You want your players 100%, 100%. driving it. You, you lead yeah, and facilitate, yeah. and you mm. certainly come up with ideas and yeah. you know do the work behind the scenes. But ultimately, they're the guys that have got to have clarity in what they're doing and have got to buy into what's happening. And if they see this is how we should do it, and as long as you lay your cards on the table, then you've got to get behind them. Can we talk about the team then and team selection and 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 who we think are going to be uh, it, interesting? One's going to be the. Uh, the selection now, obviously, by the time this goes out, selection will have been made. But your front row, uh, would you have Marla starting? Because it's interesting, <laughs> you know, the coach Eddie Jones turned around and said that if he had his time again, he'd have dropped forward and brought and and basically changed it up with Slade and Farrell, and then in the front row he'd have had Mako on the bench. So it'd be interesting where he who he chooses there um, in the uh, front row. Yeah, I mean, my selection would be Marla. Really? Um, okay. Look, Eddie's been burnt by the scrum. He won't want that happening again. 
I think Mako's slightly injured as well. In I think Mako's so, slightly yeah. injured. Mako, look, I don't think this whole Saracen saga will affect the Saracens players in there, but if there's any thought in the selectors' minds that it might, you know, that that removes him. I did, but uh, just back, back, I don't want to, it's like Brexit, I don't want to go back to it, but apparently they had a clear the air talk, didn't they, right, in camp about, about, about this, you know, the relegation salary and cap and all of that. And, um, but it just dawned on me, there's hardly anyone in there from Exeter. <laughs> Because <laughs> if anyone's got a problem with it, it'll be extra players. I, I can't imagine Slade or Cowan Dickey saying, well, it's not fair. If there's yeah, but six no one seven, else is going to say there's a problem. If you're no, on a like true. that, no, you've got an opportunity to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, you're not going to say anything yeah. that's going to jeopardise yeah. that. You're like, well, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, we, we've got the opportunity to be immortal here, to win a Grand Slam, yeah. um, obviously get rewarded for it as yeah. well financially. They're just going to say, look, we'll take the piss out of you. Yeah, you know, that was already said, look, yeah. you've just given us extra ammo to absolutely yeah. rip into you. Yeah. Um, As a player, it would be, I, I'm obviously and, and going to say, listen, If I was an extra player, I'd be gutted. Yeah, of course you would, mate. And, yeah. you know, that's where most of it goes. You get, it's, it's like, it's like the, the, the cheats in the Olympics, isn't it? You know, all, all the drug takers. Yeah. You know, this is the pinnacle. You've dedicated, you've committed all your time Would you give? Moments. Would you Would you say to give back the cups, the titles. What's yeah, your yeah, hundred percent? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, hundred oh, percent. Right, of course they, are. they. They shouldn't keep them. Um, okay, they should be stripped. Wow. Um, okay. But look, yeah. So okay. as as I was saying, um, we'll get back to it. I was going to go Marla, mm. George Sinclair, um, yeah. Cruz Itoji, Laws Curry, Underhill. Yeah. Ben Earl's been pulling up trees. Probably not the game to give him his debut. No. Curry That's... and Underhill, superb in the World Cup. You've yeah. got three. Back row players there who are going to absolutely terrorise the halfbacks. So France come yeah. in youthful, exuberance. They're going to try and bring back the flair. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they're not got any guys scarred from the last decade when they were diabolical and losing heavily, especially yeah. to England last year. Mm. Especially guys that won under twenties World Cups. Well, if you've got that confidence, but actually this is top level international rugby, mm. and they're going to go at them hard in the pack. And That's on, a set pack, that, isn't it? And, and, and on the front foot, yeah, that yeah. back row is the best back row for taking time and space away from halfbacks, and that's how I see the game going for England. And so I know you've not mentioned the backs because you don't have that much um, sort of expertise in the backs. So, but Ben Young's starting. I, I'm surprised after the World Cup that um, they haven't brought in new. Who would you pick? Well, I think Dan Robson's a cracking player. I'll be honest with you. I think he's, he's he gets the ball away quickly. That's the most important thing. I think getting the ball away qu- quickly. Um, I think uh, Ben Youngs takes too many steps but Will Hines actually is pretty good I, I like the way he gets the ball away Ben Spencer but he doesn't say much on the pitch so so yeah look he's he's gone with those two I think he should have brought some of the others out to sort of get a bit of experience but he hasn't so he's gone with that um, my view that they should make a change but moving on fly half I do think they're going to do the, the, the Farrell-Ford combination Tulangi um what, it'd be interesting with fullback because I don't think Daly. I always feel Daly's like a really good outside centre, but never gets the chance. And they put him at fullback, and he's never that secure under the high ball. So they might put Watson and Daly. They might swap them over. I don't know. And then on the other other wing, May. But it's a very, like you say, a very settled team. And 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 Eddie Jones has said he wants to be completely brutal against the French. And 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 listen, over the years the French were brutal. Their pack were just enormous. But it's it could be a game that fr- it comes too early for France because they've got so many of these young players won World Cups with the 20s suddenly they're going to go into that arena against a World Cup final team and Eddie Jones has said we're going to be brutal and I think he might be right I think it's I think if we were playing France in the last game of the Six Nations it would suit them just to feel the way into the tournament but it doesn't suit them to have the first game against the World Cup winning team what do you think? Yeah agreed and I think 
at top level rugby more than anything else the ability, the strategy and how you manage territory and your kicking game mm. is absolutely critical in terms of where the pressure lies. And England were the best in the World Cup for that. They were yeah. the best. Um, they didn't give many opportunities to no. any most of the sides they played against. Um, and that's exactly what you expect um, this weekend. And, you know, they're hoping the French might hang themselves again, playing with confidence, no fear. You know, there might be an intercept pass. They might play a little bit too much rugby. And I think that's the way they're going to go about it. I think the French will be dangerous. You know, Fakatawa, you know, the centre at Racing. Yeah. He's been absolutely scintillating form. You've got Penno out Penno, there. Penno, amazing. Some and of the forwards they've got as well. Oh. They'll, they'll put passages of play together do you know, do you know what, and they'll cause Nick, us problems. Do you know what I find weird? You know, man for man, okay, whenever I've seen England play against France, when I've played against them, I thought, crikey, what a team. Playing against Castagnard and... Serge Betson and on paper amazing but you always wonder how they get it so wrong they don't travel very well over in France you know play away from home you know they, they generally lose and win all the home games and they're just they, I don't know they just seem a nation that don't seem to be able to organise themselves at all which is amazing with the talent they have and the question is now with their coaching team which is very exciting I, mean, I played against Galtier who's their head coach but they've got Ibanez who was a proper mongrel. I don't know whether you played against him, Raphael even yeah, what a legend. But then you've got Sean Edwards from Wigan who's gone up there and he's going to... He's, he's. Can you imagine? He can just about speak English. How is he going to learn French? Can Mate, you imagine? He's the, he's the Lancastrian <laughs> Del Boy, isn't he? <laughs> can, you imagine his team mate, can, you, can you imagine his team meeting? It's going to be brilliant, isn't it? But, um, they love but him, mate, great, by uh, all accounts over there. I heard reports recently and look, every team that's been coached under him do and... <laughs> That, that's the interesting that. subplot for me is yeah. how the French adapt their mentality and attitude because defence is all about attitude yeah. and he'll be giving them confidence in terms of the English psyche having mm. beaten England plenty of times with Wales and defensively instilling a discipline yeah. they right. don't have to, what is it about them because you know what I find strange when I looked at um, I looked at the, the sort of spend in, in the in, in France, and I think to, uh, is it Toulouse and Stafford say they spent thirty-five million compared to Saracens' fourteen million. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. And I was just wondering, how is it that we can compete when they're like they're three times, four times, you know, the output of you know sort of English and Welsh and Irish teams? I just find it amazing, and it's all to do for me about organisation. And well, it's, it's, yeah. it's they, they haven't come into professionalism. That's the thing. No. What he's done here is part of his squad, Galtier, is he's gone, any of the past generation that had that laissez-faire turn up when you fancy attitude, yeah. we don't want you here. You know, we don't want those scars here at all. So he's brought young guys in. 18 guys. Yeah, but, he's brought, yeah, but yeah. this is the thing, Brax. They brought yeah. young guys in of one under 20 World Cups. Yeah. They're, dry, they're the driving force at their teams. He's got gone for the successful, most professional sides as well. Toulouse, Racine, Clermont, players from there. And he realises we're so behind the eight ball, we've got to catch up. Yeah. And I, th I think it was quite an easy selection for yeah. him. I don't think he's under much pressure. No. And that's what makes him so dangerous, isn't it? Especially when they got first the game, though. Short. If, if you were to, if you're a betting man, first game, you know, I think I think it would have been much harder to face him at the end. But 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 um, yeah, did you play against Rafael Ibn as the yeah, team yeah, manager? Many times, oh, I mean, he God. retired. I think his last game was against us in the semi in '07, actually. My, 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 I was on 98 caps, didn't he? My, my, I was he, captain I think of the he, he was on 98 caps, and that was his 98th, the semi-final. They wanted him to play the following year. He's like, no, I'm retiring. I'll tell you a story about him. I'm captain of Saracens, and he's joined us, and he's, he's fantastic. Captain of France and everything. But he, he had a runner form, wasn't playing very well. They got dropped, and a, a young guy called Matt Kearns came in. 
Oh yeah, Kearns, so came Matt, down to Matt, Matt, yeah, Matt Kearns came in and played one game, played quite well, and then for the then was picked for the next game. So Ibanez has got a real face on him, right? A real sulky face on him, and um, he comes to me and he goes, "Kieran, uh, on Saturday I'm playing, I'm starting." I said, "No, no, you're on the bench." He said, "No, no, wait, I am starting." I said, "No, no, but you've been picked on the bench," and he said, "We will see tomorrow." So tomorrow the session comes, training session, right? He comes in with a boot, boots. <laughs> Boots, it's not that funny really at the time. It's funny now looking back, but he boots him in the head and 10 stitches across his head, picks the ball up and then throws in the next line out and he's taken off a concussion and he's out for four weeks. He did play that weekend and, and, and Matt came to me and said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, mate, there's not much I can do about it. He's just taking you out. I mean, it was it was one of those, Francois Pino was the he was the uh, coach and we were like, "What? how do we deal with this? And then we were like, well, he's injured now, so he can't play, so even as starts. But that was his mentality and he, he on the pitch, he was like, you know, all guns blazing, and he was he was great to play with. But yeah, that was that was one of the moments in my in my captaincy where I'm not sure I got right, but I, I sort of had to let it go. I don't know what, what Matt came to your place. And, he came um, to our place, mate. His nickname was the Bollock um, because of the size of his head. Yeah, so it was an easy target you know, for ref. In all fairness, um, what we need, bottom line, is a strong France team. The global game of yeah. rugby is stronger for a good France team. It was like South Africa. Mm. Um, two, three years ago, absolutely abhorrent in 16 to 17. Rassi came in, changed it all around, and the global game is much better for these superpowers or traditional superpowers of France and South Africa being better. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Englishmen that don't like the French. I've got a lot of time for them. Um, and, you know, I hope that they, you know, they continue, well, I say they start a rise towards becoming you know, our big rivals in the Six Nations when I played for England, yeah, it was a big too, one, yeah. the crunch, yeah. it was mm. a big one. In the last sort of eight, nine years, it hasn't been the case. I hate going there though. Did you? Did you? I loved it. Oh, did you like mate, it? Well, the food is horrible, mate. Oh, are you joking? Sandwich. You have a seven-course meal: oysters, caviar, oh, the red wines on the table. You've you got multiple choices that. of cheese. No, the amount oh. of cheese and oh, le pain. You were short-changed, mate. You were probably on the physio beds so and missed out on all the courses because you always got treatment after a game, despite making only about two tackles and never hitting the ruck. <laughs> do you know it one player? Do you one, one probably player, stitching in your hair? One, they, fr- one like French, that? one French player. I hated playing against Serge. Bets and honestly, he, he he ruined my career on about three occasions. I got dropped every time I played against him, um, and he absolutely cleared us out. And I believe we're going to get him on the phone and have a chat about the match. Yeah, Kieran, how are you doing? Happy oh, New Year. I'm very good. Thank you for coming on for our uh, our, our first show and um, and having a chat about the rugby. Um, Nick's on the yeah. line as well. Thank you very much. Um, if if we were ever going to speak to a, a French legend of the game, it would have to. Our, our number one would be you, and it's amazing we've got you on the line, which is which is brilliant. But we're talking about the Six Nations, and before we do that, about this weekend's match, Le Crunch, uh, France against England. Just want to reminisce about 2002. Do you remember you did a number on Johnny Wilkinson stopped him playing? You kicked the living shit out of me, and I got dropped after that. So I lost my place. <laughs> In the England team and the World Cup team because of you, Serge Betts. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Do you remember? Kieran, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I didn't have that uh, knock-on effect on on your career. <laughs> you did, but um, yeah, you it, enjoyed it, that you day. Know. What was your plan? Yeah, what was your plan? Just, just, just Johnny and me, just do us over. It was, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, it wasn't that easy, Kieran. Uh, you know, uh, French team are always uh, um, 
challenging to to be at the, their best against England. And uh, I think yeah, there's uh, a lot of uh, rivalry. And also the year before, I think you England smashed France. Yeah, at Twickenham very very heavily, mm. and I think most of the players were there at the, at the game. I wasn't there. I was dropped because of my yellow card on the 2000 opening Six Nation, and uh, I have to work out. And uh, I have to say, I made a, a point of uh, being at my best against uh, us, which is you and uh, Johnny. But some of those tackles, I'm not being funny. Okay, there's late. And there's really late, all right? I mean, <laughs> some of them were so late. It was Sorry, like, like the at, next at day. Time, <laughs> at that time, they brilliant. didn't have any uh, VOR. Then, uh, <laughs> then, as you know, the referee wasn't aware of uh, the level of... Uh, the tackle, but uh, I'm so sorry. I didn't hurt you. No, you did. But yeah, listen, it took me years to get my confidence back, or a year. But but interestingly, I've just been shown a picture because you played against Nick Easter as well, and he's going to tweet this as well because this is a brilliant. Have you seen this picture? Hello, Serge. How are you, mate? Hi, I'm uh, good. You? Yeah, good, good, good. We played against what each other can... many times at Wasps and uh, 07, yeah. 07 World Cup. I don't, listen, can you just explain to any listeners out there why you unfollowed me from Instagram this time last year when uh, Le Crunch was on? Do you remember this or not? No, no. What I, happened? I tweeted a photo of uh, just us on the battlefield uh, in the World Cup semi-final, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a hardcore photo. Let's put it that way. Nothing deliberate in it, and uh, tweeted your uh, sorry, Instagrammed your. Um, your, your name in there as well and then you were following me and you suddenly unfollowed me about it but I'll tell you what Serge I'm going to get it out again um, and uh, look send it to me let's have a let's with, send it to me I'm, I'm going to I'm I'm send it out again oh ju- just for goodness. you which we're, photo oh my mate, goodness it's just, you, it's just you clearing me out of a ruck I'd say a little illegally okay um <laughs> I won't say how, but <laughs> you're clearing me from in, a ruck. The finger okay. in the eye. You, 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 like the you, back you, of your skull. <laughs> but, uh, mate, we had, mate, it was always great playing the French. And look, just just talk us a little briefly into sort of the mindset of the French, how they're going into this game. Because for me, playing, and Brax has spoken about it um, on the pod as well earlier, is this was the big game. The six note, that, you know, it was called Le Crunch for a reason. This was the big challenge. You ha- You always had a monster forward pack. You had unbelievably talented players and when you turned it on you were the best team in the world and for us when we were with England this is always the game we look forward to the one where the nerves were fraught the most mm. and the pressure was biggest and in the last decade it hasn't quite seemed like that but you know Fabian's picked a very youthful side he's not gone with any players that have been scarred from the previous heavy losses and just give us an insight I don't know how close you are to the uh, the coaching setup or any of the players about uh, how the French are approaching this game psychologically? Well, I think uh, the French team are very, very uh, good. Uh, I, just to give you a little bit of an update, uh, Fabien uh, Galtier was part of the staff during the World Cup uh, in Japan. That's why, uh, surprisingly, uh, French team turned up with a lot of uh, great um Set up with uh, uh, good organization uh, on the game plan, and, and that for me is part of uh, Fabien Galtier mindset and organization. And I think that uh, now he make a decision to uh, to put youngsters to develop them and through the game time and, and get them to be fit for uh, what we call the World Cup uh, in 2023. 
then saying that I, I think they also had a great, great, great staff member who come in and you see, you know, uh, Sean Edwards, who are one of the greatest uh, yeah. uh, defense mm. coach ever. And I think with that uh, adding into the, the staff, friendship will be really, really uh, uh, good uh, in, in terms of the, the organization. And also, we, we lost against, uh, stupidly, we lost against uh, Welsh in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. And, and, and you choose to see that growing talent like... Uh, uh, Emil, Emil Tamaxon or, or um, other players who are very, very um, strong and skillful. I think Frenchim are really, really now ready to for, think for the next chapter, which is uh, Galchi and all the staff around uh, to deliver, I think, the best of what French can deliver for the Six Nations. Well, Serge, thanks for your time today. Um, you do owe me about 20 England caps because it took me a long time to recover. Thank you for your time in the game. <laughs> Myself and Nikita enjoyed playing against you. And uh, finally, a prediction for the for this weekend. What's the score going to be, my friend? In English, not French. <laughs> uh, I think the score will be very, very close as usual. Uh, uh, you know that the, the game is so tight, the intensity. Uh, I think um, 21-19 will be uh, my prediction for France, obviously. 21-19 uh, will le score, so attendez-vous à ce que ça soit très très dur. I understood everything. Yes. Cheers, my friend. Bye-bye. Rocket with Kieran Bracken. And Nick Easter. We're talking all things Six Nations. Big game this weekend. Great start for two coaches. Andy Farrell, Ireland against Scotland. So what's your thoughts on this game? This is this is probably the most exciting one, surely. No, mate, no. Oh, you think the crunch. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what's let us nail in this game. Because um, this is usually actually, and I know what you're getting at, quite a good game of rugby. Yeah. But the Finn Russell incident. Oh, Oh, you can know, I, can drinking, I just, to, drinking to no, late hours, so two-point rule. Can I, and, um, can I just... Buddy's off, goes to his club, <laughs> plays for his club, and um, my favorite, they're without their best player. Like, my favourite WhatsApp came to me. Sources close to the matter reveal that Finn Russell was disciplined for multiple offences in breach of Scotland team protocol. Number one, breaking the gain line. Number two, running at pace. <laughs> number three, making first up tackles. And number four, bringing a winning mentality. I love that, which is... But he's he's uh, he's clashed, hasn't he, with um, Gregor Townsend, the coach in Japan, about their the way they're playing. I think it was it was last year's Six last Nations, year's, wasn't it? They yeah. were thirty-one nil down or thirty-one-seven down. What at happened? Half time to England, and I think by all accounts or his account, Gregor was saying, and the game plan was to kick it. You know, yeah. don't play any rugby in your own half. And Finn Russell went, "Well, that's what you've just told us to do. And we're thirty-one-seven or thirty-one nil down." He said, "We're not kicking it. We're running it." <laughs> And he was single-handedly the catalyst, isn't he, for that yeah. comeback. And uh, luckily, luckily we didn't give him too much glory, otherwise you'd never heard the end of it. But I think there's also some undertones in terms of his dad, who was dismissed last summer. Yeah. He worked for the, the Scottish Rugby Union, and he's just won his unfair dismissal case. Right. So there's a bit of that going on as well. And look, this, this could play out for quite a bit. And the, the irony of the whole thing, though, and you would know this more mm. having played against him, is they're similar type of players. Gregor, oh, I remember watching Gregor oh, and going, you know, when he played the night, he was the 97 Lions, 10, you know, he was one of the yeah. few Scotsmen in there. Yeah. He was a maverick. He had the skills. He was ahead of his time. He was one that challenged coaches. Yeah. Uh, look, we don't know the ins and outs, but we're here to discuss it. Is That's a real blow for Scotland. Massive. Massive. I mean, Adam Hastings, it seems, it seems a common thing with all these 
kids of, of dads who are playing, you know, playing for their country. But Adam Hastings is not a bad player, but he's not, you know, they, they're going to, they don't quite have the spark, do they? And, and their pack isn't as fierce as it used to be. And the question is, is you know, where can they win the game? Look, I think, the, I think what's fascinating actually throughout the Six, Six Nations actually is how Ireland progress. Um, yeah. Talk about World Cup. Their attack was pilloried really as part of the game they didn't move on and actually it's always been very risk boring wasn't it it was so it's boring always, but it's always been risk averse under Joe Schmidt sort of yeah. two or three phase plays that's it otherwise mm-hmm. we don't offload we don't keep the ball alive we don't you know we don't play yeah. anywhere near our own half and now Andy Farrell's got his first shot at being a selector and being a number one fantastic personality guy motivator he's got his first shot but he's a defence coach so he's yeah. got to sort of give, in the, give up the reins a little bit knowing that the reports come through and he was a part of it where look, we've got to be better with ball in hand. And he's brought in Mike Cat for his yeah. new ideas and he's worked with him with England before. And it'd be interesting how they approach the Six Nations and especially this game because I think they'll just want to get a win under their belt and they'll play the Leinster direct power game that, yeah. that beat Scotland comfortably in the first game of the World Cup because Scotland will thrive on unstructured. And I think we'll see a little bit of the Irish... You know, well, if you notice, he's dropped a couple of big players like Robbie Henshaw, Peter O'Mahony, um, which I thought was quite a big call. And he's obviously gone for a bit of pace at the back in Jordan Lemur and, and uh, Doris at number eight, making his first start. But a big disappointment, it, though, in your position. John Cooney. Yeah, John Cooney feels amazing. And then, you, yeah, Connor, Connor Murray has had a very average World Cup, but but actually I think he wants the continuity playing with Sexton, and I'm sure Cooney will get his chance. But what I really liked about Andy Farrell was he announced his team yesterday, yeah. okay, and, and, and said, listen, what's the point? Joe Smith wanted to do it in the last minute and wanted training. No one could cover the training, and it was all secretive, and uh, and it was all about detail. And, and, and Rory Best afterwards just said it was just paralysis by analysis and I think what Andy Farrell did there was brilliant he just said there's my team all right pick who you want I don't care we're going to focus on ourselves but I'm going to ask you just about when assistants become head coaches and I'm going to give you some names and where I don't think it necessarily always works I think you're right Andy Farrell was a fantastic player rugby league not quite the player in rugby union he goes into coaching does very well with England British Lions and with Ireland and then and, and I've seen this before. So Brian Ashton was coaching, Bats coach, and suddenly um, elevated to senior coach, and he coached you. And I never thought he was a head coach. I thought he was a brilliant, you know, thinker outside the box and, you know, no structure. And then there's Andy Robinson as well, great forwards coach, 03, then went on and struggled, and John Mitchell as well. So sometimes, I know there's a name for it. I don't know the actual name for it where someone gets elevated above what they're proper we'll find that out somebody will tell me but in business that no no no, no. there's a <laughs> name for it the swedish but there's some there's some name for it where people, yeah but then people, but then you look at the converse side of it yeah and steve hansen worked under graham henry yeah and then very very successful that's um, true for two years and i suppose what you've got to get right is the personality of the person to be head coach and i think we're a lot further down the line now in terms of understanding that than you know 10, 12 years ago. Um, and it's a very different role. Uh, you're less hands-on. Yeah. You're less hands-on. There's, you know, in, yeah. on the international stage, look at the international stage. I think Eddie Jones came out and Stuart Lancaster came out as well and he said, it's about 70% media. It's about 20% <laughs> corporate and dealing with, the, you know, really? the unions and it's about 10% coaching. And and clearly but with it, here's the sorry, question. 70% here's... media and, and selection. Yeah. And he said there's about 10% coaching. Here's the question though. So I think Andy Farrell, you know, I played with him, great lad, and uh, 
another another story we should talk about. We should talk about what what it's like in the Farrell house household at the moment. But but you know, like Arteta came from uh, City with uh, in football and is coaching Arsenal. You do question: Do they have? The ability to change the the course of events by bringing people on, by their selections, by their changes that they make during a match. Does Andy Farrell have that experience and will he be able to do it? And I'd be disappointed personally if Ireland do play a very average, boring game just to win games. I think they need to go back to what they're good at. Because do you know why why Ireland is so good with the ball in hand? It's because they play all these other sports, Gaelic football, my brother lives out there and all the kids out there, that they play Gaelic football, they play hurling and they play rugby, okay? And they're very athletic and very skillful. And I think they should stick to that instead of just pounding out wins. I think they should try and move the ball, get some pace into their game, and it'll be interesting to see whether whether Andy Farrell will bring that to them. I'm I also sure. think it's a bit of a... I have no idea um, of being inside there, but I'd imagine it's a very, much more of a long-term plan with him because ultimately it's the World Cup where they've fallen down and yeah. they've got past the quarter. So if they Four say, listen, cycle. listen, we need to... Semi-final. Semi, yeah. Semi-final is what Andy Farrell needs to do, really, yeah. in, in four years' time. Mm-hmm. So he, do, he does have a bit of rope there. Um, but this is his first game. He's yeah. at home. They've got tough fixtures this year. They're away in Paris, away in London. He Mur- want to get Mur- him yeah. in there. Con- Conor Murray, you've only got sort yeah. of two weeks with the team. Attack's always the last thing that actually you never really perfect it, but the last thing to really come together is there'll be snippets of it. But uh, I'd expect to see a very territory orientated power game from Ireland just to beat Scotland, and then they'll evolve their attack as the uh, comp goes on. Yeah, I hope so. I, I don't think the likes of Sexton and Murray will be there in four years' time, will they? But no. this is a must-win game for him. But what's it like? Can you imagine in the household? When Ireland go to face uh, England, I mean, who's the mum going to support? I mean, that's a bit weird. Isn't I that's know, got but they've been weird. asked that before. I can't remember Have the it? answer. <laughs> it's, happened, it's happened a know, few times now, though. Do you know what I, did, I, I said to, I mean, you know, Owens, um, he, he doesn't take too much to banter, does he? Because um, I, I asked him when he was playing for England and his dad was uh, was defence coach. And I said, well, you know, when they're talking to selection, I said, you know, when you go into the bathroom, you knock on the door to dad and you say, listen, uh, dad, am I, uh, am I am I playing? Am I not playing? You know, I, and I was I was winding him up and having a bit of crack with it. And he just, he said, no, no, don't say anything. Don't don't talk about it. And I was like, really? Come on. And you go to the get, go to like training. And look, dad, am I in? Am I not in? But he's always in anyway. Quite easy for him, <laughs> isn't it? But, but the, but the mum. The poor mum who's got, who's got, who's got, you know. I she, think, no, I think the mum supports the son. Mum's English. She's, she'd support the son. <laughs> you think so? Or maybe it's tip for tat. Maybe it's, okay, when you're at home, I'll support you. So when I'm no, home, I'll support Ireland. When England are at home, I'll support England. Can't do that. They're a lovely family. Even it up over the course of the year. They've got another little one. They, they had, I think they've got a two or three-year-old, which is great. Uh, but he's living in Ireland. When I first when I uh, saw Andy about a year ago, he's living in Ireland, he put about two stone on. I said, mate, you put a bit of weight on. He went... I'm not being funny, but Guinness, it treats me quite well. And I was like, brilliant. But uh, yeah, I wish him all the best. I hope he does well. So I think he'll do well, mate. Yeah, I think he'll good. Do well. Rocket, Kieran Bracken, Nick Easter, the brand new rugby podcast. So Wales, Italy, um, a nice gentle start for Wayne Pivak and his, his coaching team. Yeah. Um, Italy, you know, always wouldn't, well, not always, but... Uh, you know, wouldn't majority of the time wouldn't spoon us. Do you see anything different this year? I know Franco Smith's been brought in there and having coached against him actually last year, he's yeah. a very attack minded coach, but on the hard grounds of Bloemfontein with 
top quality players and athletes, um, you know, in comparison to the side you're playing against, is a little bit easier and yeah, it doesn't can't... quite have that luxury. And international rugby does require you to be a little bit more territory driven. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always felt with Italy that uh, their problem is their halfbacks. They never have a settled halfback. They've got some of the greatest players I've ever seen, like Sergio Parisi, who's just incredible player, would be... But would you, let's just get into that. What yeah. do you think about him bringing him back for a swan song? I think it's good. I, I don't, don't know. I, I disagree you, with it. Oh, really? I, I don't think... This is professional sport. I don't think there's room for sentiment in professional sport. Well, they gave you an extra year at, at Harlequins when you didn't deserve one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't take it actually. Oh, you did didn't, I? Take, didn't it. take it. I got I just, I got I just by think, Saracens look, to come back. By the I way, think when you, look, when your time's up, your time's up, oh, and you move on. Oh, and so what, good. Yeah, but them. what does yeah, it say? Yeah, what, if, what if you're a young bat rower coming through and you deserve mm-hmm. to be there on form? Because in all right. fairness to Sergio, yes, one of the best opponents I've ever played against. Fantastic. He still is good, player, mate. He still is good. Now the oh, last three years, on. mate, he has not been at the same level. And you've got these young bat rowers: Negri, Zani, CC, Pelledri. And for a home game in Rome, you're saying, well, we're bringing this guy back in because he was such an icon of the game. You know, it's it's yeah. not Hollywood, this. Um, you need to move forward. And I think for Italy to move forward, he's been an absolute legend for him and stalwart. But mm. I just think, I, I personally well, I, don't I, think it's the right way. I'm not even right sure Italy really should be in the championship anymore. I think it's getting boring. I mean, the question is, is whether it should be promotion or relegation, which I think there would be, which, you know, in some years, maybe Scotland would would go down and or Wales would go down and no one's going to vote for that are they but Wales it's interesting that Wales though you know after the success that they've had 12 years with Warren it's interesting and I, I won't claim um, this quote but it's Warren Vaughan against Wayne's World which is quite interesting I think that was Stephen Jones but um, but I, I'm excited to see the, how the Wales approach this I mean uh, you might know more about Pivak but he's sort of gone through the same sort of um, background of some of the greatest coaches he used to be a policeman and um he seems to be you know saying all the right things and i think that's a, a good game for him to start but the question is is i believe he wants to change the attitude of the welsh he wants to get the ball moving he wants to be exciting uh, almost play like carbon copy with the scarlets that he that he coached and then you know the question is will it, will it work in international rugby well obviously against wales it'll work but the question is will it work against some of the big hitters like france and england I think it's the way rugby is. You got to always has been, isn't it? You have got to use the full width of the field. Um, it's a you know he'll he'll bring that that width to the game. I think it will work, but he needs the players to be able to get the ball wide effectively in the distributors. And the news coming out of the camp, don't know yet with selection, is that George North will play at thirteen. And when you've got Reece Zammett and Josh Adams, who are absolutely you know Josh Adams scored the most tries of the World Cup. Reece Zammett is on absolute fire. Um, is will they see much of the ball with George North there at 13? Mm. Um, I think Wales are in a good position. I don't think they've got the same expectation people think. Yes, he's got big shoes to fill. We know that with Gatland, but they've got a core group of players like England. Um, you know, they've got Falatale, Tipperick, Alan Wynne Jones, Biggers there. Reese Webb's come back from Toulon. Those players have been around a successful group. So that psychological edge that Gatland always has, that defensive. Um, metal that they always had under him and Sean Edwards will still be there and he and he'll just want to build on that and their biggest weakness has always been scoring tries um, and I think they've got great coaches in Wayne Pivock and, and Stephen Jones to be able to do it it's just they've the got to find the distribution in the midfield yeah. to maximise um, that game plan yeah Jonathan Davis big loss but I mean they need uh, personally I think they 
you know, I think they lack depth, don't they? they when the, the bench come on, you're like, well, you know, what, two, three caps? They don't really they go, have... They the, don't lack depth in the back row. Oh, no, not in the back row. I, I mean, will, who are you selecting? You You've got Tipperick, oh, you know Faletau, Navidi, Moriarty, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Wainwright, yeah. who was probably the standout back rower for them. Should we, have um, a, should, we, should, we have, should we make some predictions? And can we can we put a sub-note on this that do not go by our predictions? The last tip I gave someone was 99 World Cup. England against Tonga, I said it'd be close, and someone put a grand on a point and basically lost about 40 grand because England... Because the reason why the tip was, because Tonga did well against, I think it was New Zealand, I said, oh, it'd be, it'd be quite close. And then uh, he lost about 40 grand, and uh, I'm the worst predictor, and I'm hoping you're better. So should we do some predictions? Yep, far away. Rocket. This week's predictions. Predictions then for the Six Nations uh, this weekend. So England-France. I've got England winning by three points. Ireland against Scotland. I've got Ireland winning by 15 points. And Wales v Italy. Wales winning by 45 points. What say you? <laughs> Wales, Italy. 28 points to Wales. Ireland, Scotland. I think 12 and England, France, England by six. Nice. So we're, we're agreed on that. What about the tournament then? How's it going to pan out? Well, the last four Six Nations after World Cup, there's been a Grand Slam winner. Ah. We did it in 16, Wales in 12 and 08, and France back in 04 when they were a powerhouse. I think it's England's um, tournament. Um, I hope they get the Grand Slam. You know, if Eddie's coming out saying they want to be the greatest side that's ever played the game, well, they've got to win a Grand Slam to start off with. Yeah. And I think given the position they're in after the World Cup, the players they have, um, they've got. They've also got a very, very generous fixture list. And mm. what I mean by that is their two toughest games away um, are first up. And yeah. then they've got a nice break before a home game against Ireland, nice break before a home game against Wales, so they can get great prep in for those two strong sides. And then... Hopefully it'll be a Kate walk in Rome. Okay, so England win. Come on, the other ones. So England first. Who's your second? England, France, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, Italy. Oh, okay. I've got England, Ireland, France, Wales, Scotland, Italy. We shall see. A fiver. Well, I'll do that, mate. I'll take that bet. Okay. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The brand new rugby podcast. What were you like the night before? Six Nations match. Um, I was I was fine, mate. Before any international uh, look, if your preparation's done, the pressure's off, isn't it? I remember, uh, although I do remember, you know, 2011 World Cup when we played France and we had a good record against them. Actually, we just beaten them in the Six Nations um, recent record, and we lost that game. And it was probably the worst half hour of rugby. Um, opening half hour rugby we had played I actually think I'd been involved with the England team and it was a bit shell shocked France had just lost to Tonga in the group stages all that sort of stuff was happening and uh, I remember the night before and it was the tour if you remember where you know it was known as Mike Tyndall Stag you know uh, we were at that backpacking joint we'd obviously done all the bungee jumping everything and throwing dwarfs you know what it's like mate throwing dwarfs you know when they're vast they're very hard to get hold of those (laughs) Uh, and look you've got to have a release we were as professional as we can be um, look we, we just got it wrong on on the night didn't we but the, the media are after you you know any little thing you can get you know it, it feeds them doesn't it and mm. we knew that beforehand we were warned beforehand and it was sort of culminating and building up and I remember Graham Roundtree top guy Graham Roundtree um, got got the forwards in 
um, the night before. And he'd done the same, actually, for the quarterfinal against Australia. Um, it's four years before, and we won that game. Unfortunately, it didn't quite have the same impact. But he spoke so well about the people writing us off and what we had in the room and how, you know, and how we could take this game on and, uh, you know, really feel good and, you know, realise our potential, all that sort of stuff. But he got so fired up before a game um, that I think all the forwards probably had five portions of sticky toffee pudding. And uh, I said to him afterwards, sort of tug-in-cheek, when we lost, you know, a few days after, and I like that, I said, you probably should have saved that speech for sort of about five minutes before kick-off week. <laughs> um, and I think since then... Uh, the uh, the indulgent uh, puddings have been banned Graham um, throughout the week and even the night before because they used to treat you the night before at Penny Hill Park when yep. you went away you used to get right the ice cream was out the yep. sticky toffee pudding or whatever and uh, I just remember we were so pumped up we were looking we wouldn't even talk we'd get the food on the table and all we did was just pile our plate off do you know my favourite story <laughs> about so Graham pumped. Graham Roundtree right and I play with him for you know in the amateur days and the professional days with England but but three minutes into the, into every match, when there was a break in play, he would he would get in a group, right, and we'd all be in a huddle chatting about what's happening next. And he would basically pull his shorts to the side, pull his cock out, and piss in the middle of the pitch, wherever we were, wherever we were, <laughs> and like you know, you know, in Paris, in the Millennium, every he did it every single time. Hydrating, mate. Every now and again, every now and again, the the boys would, as he's pissing, would just like move out so the cameras could get a good shot at it, which was a bit unruly. But my favourite... And the next thing you know, mate, you've, <laughs> yeah. got, uh, you've got your hooker and your tight face planting <laughs> in exactly the puddle that Oh, left nice. Field. My favourite, my favourite, my favourite... Tr- this is a true story, and people have nicked this story, uh, but this is a true story. So my second game was against Wales, right? So first one, beat New Zealand, came in for five nations as it was then, and I'm rooming with Jason Leonard, right? So this is the amateur days. So this is a Wednesday night, and he's all dressed up. I said, where are you going? He says, I'm, he says, I'm going out. And so are you. I said, but we, we play on Saturday against Wales. He goes, don't worry, they're shit. It's like a bye, <laughs> right? So what do I do? I go out with, with him. And I, it's the worst thing you can do, at my, you know, at 21, 22. And he's sort of like, and he's 23 stone and I'm 11 stone, 12 stone. And anyway, I'm drinking with him, pint shot, pint shot. And I'll leave the nightclub as you do, get back to the hotel and, the, the management are down in the pub on the ground floor. So I, this is true. I climb up the fire escape to the third floor, and as I'm getting in to, my, to the top floor, I can see Jack Rowell and Les Cusworth, the England coach, on the bottom looking up. Who's that? Who's that? Anyway, emergency meeting in the morning. So Jack Rowell says, I'm disgusted. One of the players came in pissed. That's a disgrace. And I didn't see who it was. Will Carlin, you're going to deal with it. So all the management... Uh, go out and I'm shitting myself and I'm just about to stand up and open up and Will Connor says right who was it and Jason Leonard put his paws on my shoulders and stood up and said listen boys it weren't me because I got in at half past fucking six so <laughs> so that was it that was my that was very different in those days it wasn't about we weren't getting paid it was just about having a crack and um, and, and trying to stay out with Jason so the message is I mean uh, yeah the, the message is: Do not you were try right. it was and drink. Wasn't it? it wasn't yeah. the night before. Do it was not Wednesday, try right? and drink with Jason Leonard. That's the uh, the upshot of it all. But it's a different times now. Protein shake meant something very different when I was playing rugby uh, in the early days. But yeah, all very professional. I'm not, do you reckon they go out and get on it nowadays? Or I think they leave it till the end of the tournament, don't they? Because you right. you would know that. When you made your debut, you had a drink with all the players, yeah, all exactly. the players around. Oh unless, you're God, Finn, that, unless you're Finn Russell. Oh, yeah, just, when you get your first cap. I that mean, was horrendous. For man. those who don't know, you know, I don't know whether they do it now, but it was basically custom that the, whoever gets the first cap, 
obviously drinks with his own teammates, but every player in the opposition brings a drink to the new cap and they're expected to, to neck it and you cannot refuse a drink from anyone until you're sick. So the amount of people not able to go up and get the first cap because they're sick, st- uh, sick. Steve Ajomo was like unconscious, getting sick. Matt Perry the same, getting sick. And it just, yeah, it's just, uh, don't, do, don't do that now, do they? No, they don't do it now, mate. And that's, so uh, well, wait mem- for the, the last one, I do they? It's exactly that. We went to the Royal Lancaster Hotel after probably a lot of beers with friends and family in Twickenham after the game, then on the bus, then you sing your song. George Shooter's got triple whiskeys lined up for me and all the Leicester lads. Um, And then you're carrying on and the guys are coming up with full glasses of red wine and snake bite and black. And I got my cap. I managed managed to withhold until I got my cap. Didn't know what was going on. And then it was time. And Vicks was Captain Phil Vickery, top guy, real people's person, guided me through the melee into the toilet and everything. As soon as we get there, couldn't hold it in. Projector oh. vomited all over some old Alakadu in there. He was washing his hands in black tie as well back then. It was always black tie, wasn't it? All over him. I just bypassed him. I don't think I even apologised, actually. Just went into the toilet, finished what I had to do. Come out, Vixen him are just obviously rubbing his suit off. And oh. the bloke comes and shakes my hand and says, welcome to the club. <laughs> he was obviously an ex-England international. Yeah, um, he had a smile on his face. He understood it all, and he was very good about it. Did you sing? What did you sing? I sung two. I sung "Piano Man" oh, and the only, fools off, and the "Only Fools and Horses." The "Only Fools and Horses" theme tune. Brilliant. I did. I can't remember. I don't know the name of it. You never close your eyes. I mean, how embarrassing is that? But they all just booed me and threw stuff at me. Um, but I got away with it because I'd injured my ankle. Jamie Joseph stood it, and they sort of, they let me off with only fifteen shots. Too bad. Right, well, that's it uh, from us at Rucket, Kieran Bracken and myself, Nick Easter. And we'll be back on Monday uh, to review uh, the weekend's matches. Thanks for listening. Listener.